0: Well, I want you to think of some parents who are doing a great job. They're being faithful to raise up their kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They're teaching their children diligently about the Lord, correcting them when they disobey. And their kids are doing well. They're showing some fruit. They honor. They obey. There's peace in the home. And parents start to feel pretty good about themselves. They think finally they're, they're doing something right. Other parents tell them what great job they're doing. But because of this, over time, these parents start to ease off the gas a little bit. When it comes to their parenting tasks, they start to coast and rely on their momentum from before. They spend a little less time instructing their kids and a little less, a little less. They cut some corners, skip some nights. They start to slack on their discipline, let some things slide. They just give some verbal warnings. Their kids start pushing back on things. They start acting out more, fighting together more. Parents eventually realize after a while things have changed and their kids have taken two steps back in honor and obedience. Peace in the home has di- diminished. And so these parents wonder, you know, what happened? What changed? And the answer is the parents changed. They became lax. They eased up on their parenting task and their kids only naturally responded. This type of thing happens all the time, often in cycles. And maybe you too have noticed some of these cycles of uh, maybe general obedience and peace among your kids Versus a general disobedience and rebellion. But perhaps you too might consider if this perhaps reflects more of a cycle in your own parenting diligence. I think we've all gone through varying phases of of diligence in our parenting efforts. But that will have a direct impact on our kids as they quite often are mirrors of us. And granted, we know that even if you're a perfect parent, that will not guarantee perfect children. Now, there's an ultimate sin problem we cannot solve, but some correlation is quite clear. This is why God himself directs us in Scripture to apply ourselves diligently, constantly, tirelessly to this task uh, to be found faithful. And that's a reminder that we definitely need to hear, especially given the subject of our lesson tonight in this biblical parenting crash course, and that is going to be discipline. The Bible has quite a lot to say about disciplining your children, And tonight we're going to spend all of our time studying what the Bible has to say about disciplining your children and even its implementation. But, But for certain, know already that the effectiveness of something like discipline is far more a reflection of the parents than the children. Children will respond to appropriate biblical discipline. God's word says it will. Many parents, faithful parents can attest to that fact. But oftentimes the real question is, will you as parents respond to what God says? Will you rise up to do what he says in parenting, to faithfully implement the standard he sets in Scripture? We do so all the time. That's really what makes parenting so hard when you think about it. It's just a tireless task. You're on the clock all the time. You're kind of like a doctor on call 24-7. The type of parenting Scripture describes It's not something that just just takes place in formal classroom-type environments. It's something you engage in constantly. You're just living life with your kids. All the unexpected moments are included and sometimes matter more. And so if you as parents are not kind of always on your game, if you slack, if you coast, if you ease up, especially when it comes to something like discipline, you will start to see that the negative effects that will have on your children, on their behavior and their response. But if by God's grace and power, you can apply yourself, you can be diligent, you can be consistent, then you can trust that God will bless your efforts and your children will respond. And so already, as we get started, let's be reminded and renewed to resolve ourselves as parents. As we continue to study the tasks of biblical parenting this evening, we know we're not sufficient for these things. It all seems a bit much. But God's grace is what makes you sufficient. He does not direct you to do what you're not able to do. But by the power of his spirit, you you can rise to this task. As we learned this morning, let's walk by the spirit, rely on his power as we apply ourselves to the tasks of biblical parenting. For our time tonight, though, we want to focus in, though, on the second task of biblical parenting, and that would be discipline. We started last time with instruction. This time, discipline. So, to get things off, if you'd like, you can turn back to Ephesians 6.4 one more time as we uh, just launch off of this passage. It just provides us with a succinct summary of the parenting tasks, among other things. But this has been a good launching point for a few of these studies. Tonight, the tasks of biblical parenting, discipline. Ephesians 6.4 reminds us. As we've seen it several times now, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And there, in that passage, are two main imperatives, one negative, one positive. Negative, do not exasperate your children. Positive, bring them up, raise them up, train them up. Now, you'll see, though, regarding that positive command, it has two aspects. We are to raise up our children two different ways and we could split these up into two different tasks. What are they? Discipline and instruction. We are to train them in instruction, train them in discipline, raise them up in instruction, raise them up in discipline. These two words complement one another for sure, but they also have a a distinction as well. Last time, we focused entirely on instruction, this, this training by speech all forms of instruction. It's not just teaching, but it includes admonishment and warning, encouraging, and so forth that you're giving them a good speaking to. But now I want to focus on that second term, paideia, which is often translated discipline. Raise them up in the the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline, paideia. This is the type of instruction that comes by chastening, correction. It refers to training by action. This is a term that earlier referred to instruction. So, some older translations might have uh, admonition or uh, warning, training. It's not divorced from instruction. And these ter- two terms here in Ephesians 6.4 do overlap to a degree. But over time, this word came to mean more so a, a chastening of your, of your children, because that's the main way you instruct a sinful, rebellious child with discipline. That, it's a form of instruction. But this term really evolved to to refer just straightforwardly to correction, chastening, discipline of of a child. And that's why, for example, in Hebrews 12, four times this term is used. And it's translated discipline or older translations, chastening. And it refers to God the Father's discipline of his children. How he disciplines us. He corrects us. This notion of discipline it does not exclusively refer to corporal punishment like spanking. It's most definitely included, and it gets the lion's share of attention. We'll talk about it plenty later on. But it's worth mentioning that, that this notion of, of paideia, training with action, discipline, it, it, it can take many forms, and it does work in conjunction with instruction. These are complementary. The manner in which you correct your children will not always be with the spank. Especially when they're young, it, it often will be, but as they get older, this idea, this, this training through discipline, and will take other forms. We'll see that later. But before we get into the practice of biblical discipline, we're going to talk about that and try and get as, even as practical as we can. We still need to see more about what the Bible says about this. We're really just scratching the surface. You only get so much from just one little word study in Ephesians 6.4. Let's, let's see how else the Bible talks about how we are to correct discipline uh, and train our children in this manner. Let's keep going here. Let's switch to the, the purpose of discipline. Give a little structure here. The purpose of discipline. As we reflected last time on the purpose of instruction, here's the purpose of discipline. More and more people today believe discipline is just a negative idea altogether, and they've rejected it. They believe to discipline, to correct your child is cruel and unloving. There are some who go so far as they now won't say no to their child ever. Nothing negative that might diminish their self-esteem. But such people have missed completely the intent or the purpose of biblical discipline. Where it's actually a form of love and mercy and care. It's a means of shepherding children through correction. In Proverbs 29, 15, it says the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. This notion of the rod, we'll obviously see a lot of that this evening, and reproof, another synonym for this correction. They're meant to give wisdom. They lead to life in God's ways. And to the contrary, a failure in discipline is an act of hatred toward your children. Those are my words. That's the words of Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. How could that be? Well, for one, it's your job as the parent to do this. It's not society's job. It's your job to discipline your children. And if you fail to do so, we will learn as we go on that you, you are contributing to the hardened soil of your child's heart you're doing them a disservice. You're stumbling them in their sin by not helping them deal with their sin. In turn over to Hebrews 12, I mentioned how this uses discipline in in conjunction with God's discipline of us, but that gives us a fitting place to understand discipline. God's discipline will surely be perfect and, and the model. He's our heavenly father disciplining his children, no doubt, A basic model for for our discipline as well. We can learn a few things here. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, but go to Hebrews 12. Look at verses 5 and 6. I guess verse 4, he says, You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. He's talking to them about their, their pursuit of holiness, striving against sin. God will help them with that. When, they, when they're not so diligent, he'll discipline them to help them in their pursuit of striving against sin. Verse 5, he says, and have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he, he scourges every son whom he receives. Jump down to verse 10. He says, for speaking of our our fathers, back in verse nine, he says, for for they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, yet to those who've been trained by it. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of Righteousness. There's more here for the sake of time. We we can't go too much further, but you think about this discipline from the Lord. We know obviously comes in many forms. God doesn't spank us, but in a manner of speaking, he sure does. He can discipline us with many forms, but we're talking about purpose here. What is always God's purpose when he disciplines his adopted children? It is always to help them. How? To share in his holiness for their good. It's a show of his love. He only does this to those whom he loves, his children. And he's showing them in this discipline, as they've been deceived by sin and have gone after it, that sin is bad. The way of the wicked is hard. The fruit of unholiness is bitter. You have to understand the difference. God's God's judgment and God's discipline. God's judgment is punitive. God's discipline is corrective. God's judgment is for the lost and it's a form of punishment. That's not for his children. He does not give judgment to his children. Christ bore their judgment, but he does give correction, discipline, reproof for them. It's not punitive. It is corrective, though, to help them. The whole purpose of God's discipline of his children, not just to punish them or make them suffer. It might involve some suffering, but the clear purpose is corrective. It's meant to keep us from, all the, from the greater suffering of sin and bring us into the fullness of joy and the blessing of living life God's way. So God will most definitely discipline his children when they stray too far off course. There's a correction. It's a course correction for their good, even if it's painful. He's trying to rescue us from the deceitfulness of sin. That, that's mercy. That's love. In fact, earlier in Hebrews 12, it said the one who's without this type of discipline proves they're an illegitimate son. If you're going way off the deep end in sin, an unrepentant sin, and you you suffer no discipline that brings you back, that is a serious warning that you might not be a son altogether. Check yourself. But already we can glean from God's discipline of his children an important rule that your discipline as parents should be doing something for your child, not simply something to your child. If your discipline is designed just to do something to them, it's falling short of the purpose. We're trying to do something for them to help them to correct them, not just punish them. Another way you can put it is that your discipline should not merely be punitive, or or not punitive, but corrective. It might include consequences and and a type of punishment, but the heart is corrective. We're trying to turn them back and correct them for their good. So we as parents, we're called to discipline our children. Naturally, we would reflect God, our Heavenly Father. Remember, we're talking purpose here. And like God, the purpose of our discipline must be training. Back to Ephesians 6, four, bring up, train up your children. How? With instruction and with discipline. This is another form of our training in righteousness. We're training our children that sin, disobedience, and rebellion all have negative consequences. But obedience comes with peace and blessing. We're showing them that the way of the wicked is hard, that rebellion against God's ways leads to judgment, but obeying God leads to joy and blessing. Now, I should also include here, we're still talking about the purpose of discipline. There is an additional purpose, you might say, an advanced purpose to our discipline, namely that it gives us as parents oftentimes a prime occasion to minister the gospel, to plant the seed of the gospel way deep in their hearts. I mean, what better occasion is there to tell them about the saving work of Jesus than when they're being confronted with their own sin and its consequences, where they can see their need for a savior like Jesus. Now, you as parents are God's agents. It's something we established, I think it was lesson three. He's giving you his authority for this task. Remember, to the, to the state, he gave the sword. To the church, he gave the keys. To parents, he's given the rod. Only to parents. That's your authority that he has given to you to be wielded, according to his word, for their good. So you're meant to use this rod, this discipline. Why? Not just to punish, but to correct, to lead them to life. How you use the rod or don't use it will be teaching them something about God. When you as parents do not expect and require obedience. When you don't discipline for disobedience, what are you communicating about their sin? That's not that big of a deal. You don't take it that seriously. That means God must not take it that seriously because after all, you as their parents are their primary window to God when they're young. But if you have kids and they just kind of get away with everything, you don't really enforce anything. There's no sting associated with their sin in their life. You tolerate their sin, which means they're going to start tolerating their sin. Instead of confronting their sin nature, you accept it. You're setting them up for for a lot of trouble and for being carried away further by the deceitfulness and hardening effect of sin. But instead, though, as often as they disobey and and rebel you discipline them, you correct them, very quickly, they're going to learn that sin stings. It's not good for them. The way of the wicked is hard. They better find a different way, a better way. Now, look, eventually, though, if you hold a high standard of discipline and you, you're not tolerating really any disobedience or dishonor, over time, they will get exasperated because they will realize that they can't be perfect they can't obey everything mom and dad require of them. They can't can't do it. Just a couple weeks ago, I think our son Noah literally just said, I don't think I can always be good. Yes, correct. That's true. Neither can mom or dad. We can't be good all the time either, but what better opportunity to tell them about the Savior Jesus who has come he died and rose because none of us could be good enough. None of us could obey all of what God expects of us, not even close. The mom and dad fall short all the time too. But this is why we need a Savior. And as they're starting to, to see their own sin, what better opportunity is it to show them of, of their need for him as their Savior as well? But if they're never confronted with their sin through discipline, They might never sense their need for a savior. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. You see the redemptive effort. You'll administer a sting. There might be some pain, but the purpose here is to to save the soul from Sheol. So that... That's part of an advanced purpose. Discipline gives us a a window, uh, perhaps sometimes the greatest window of opportunity into their hearts. Remember, we're always aimed at the heart to plant the seed of the gospel in in such a meaningful, personal way as they're confronted with their own sin. Discipline matters. It might matter more than you think. It's not about spanking your kid because they spilled milk on your phone. It's not about even just trying to create good, nice, polite kids This is about showing them the seriousness seriousness of sin on a a small little scale, the scale of your house, that they might learn the seriousness of sin on on the vast, global, eternal scale and, and get it right by turning to Christ. This is about rescuing them from the eternal consequences of sin and by God's grace, bringing them to life eternal. Let's move on to now the manner of discipline. From the purpose to the manner of discipline, what what does it look like? The manner of discipline. The world today has mostly given up on corporal punishment. And I can't totally blame them because, in their mind, most of them equate discipline with a child getting whipped or beaten. And they've never experienced godly discipline being. via spanking, only only child abuse. That being said, the world, in abandoning all forms of corporal punishment, has turned to futile attempts at behavior control. For example, like bribery. You just stop crying. I'll buy you a candy. Just whatever you do, I'll, just, I'll give you something. What, can, what do I have to do to make you stop crying? Let, I won't mention who, but the other night, son Eli was, was fussing at dinner, and we had an in-law, who ran and and got a candy to make him stop. Like, here. We're like, I'm pretty sure that's the last thing he needs right now is more more sugar. But instead, biblically, we have been given a tool by God for discipline. And scripture refers to it as the rod, uh, Proverbs primarily. And the rod in scripture refers to corporal punishment. And the use of the rod is essentially mandated when it comes to God's wisdom for discipline. Proverbs, of course, being wisdom literature. So you might ask, it, is it a sin to not spank your kids? We'd be pressed and we'd have to say, no, not technically. But according to Proverbs, if you fail to spank your kids, you're the fool. According to the book of Proverbs, you are playing the fool. You're not the wise man. And you will reap a fool's reward which is out of control children with hardened hearts. The Proverbs gives us God's principles of wisdom that have to be applied carefully to life. It's wisdom issues, not all is black and white sin issues, but the overwhelming weight of God's wisdom in Proverbs, for example, it makes it pretty clear how he wants us to discipline our children for their good and our good. Proverbs three twelve: for whom the Lord loves, he reproves even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights proverbs 13:24 again he who withholds his rod hates his son but he who loves him disciplines him diligently proverbs 19:18 discipline your son while there's hope and do not desire his death proverbs 29:17 correct your son he'll give you comfort he will also delight your soul We could keep going. We'll see more later. Understand your kids, they don't just need direction. They need correction. Direction is where you you tell your kids what to do, what's good, what's best, what's right. If only it were that simple. If only all they needed was just a little direction, as if you only had to tell them what to do once and they would obey for the rest of their life, just one time. All they need is direction. But no, we know that because they're born sinners, you might give them direction, but. There's this power of of self-will in their hearts to go their own way, often away from what is good and right before the Lord. And they they will do so. They will go astray and they need to be corrected, no longer just directed instruction, but corrected discipline to bring them back to a good way for their good and benefit. Discipline accomplishes this. This is why instruction is not quite enough. Discipline is required. It's discipline and instruction. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Their main problem is not a lack of information or instruction. It may be like early, early on, but pretty soon they know right from wrong. They know what you expect. It's just that they don't care. (laughs) They're determined to get their own way because of their self-will but only the rod will drive that far from them. And that's, that's why, especially early on, when they can be readily shaped, we're definitely going to use the rod because actions speak louder than words. Now, at this point, when you tell people that the manner of biblical discipline is, is corporal punishment, something like spanking, the use of the rod, they recoil. Even some Christians react against this teaching on discipline. Usually, that's because their minds are filled with some false notion of spanking or discipline, and they just can't help it. Uh, They they associate it with something else, or maybe how they were raised. Uh, Probably 99% of us were not raised on biblical discipline, so we, we probably, a lot of you probably did suffer a form of abuse that was called spanking. We have to get those wrong views out of our mind, and just what does the Bible say and teach? But some people start running through a list of excuses, as to why they just don't need to heed God's instruction and wisdom for them as to how to discipline their children. Let me just quickly address some of the most common excuses that I myself have even heard from others. Why they, they, just, they just say, that I can't do this. This can't be for me. For one, you might say, I love my children too much. I just love them too much. I completely understand the sentiment there, but when you think about that biblically, you're only left with one conclusion that you love yourself too much. You're not thinking biblically. You're, you're failing to see what's most loving for them. Again, this is why Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, if you spare the rod, you hate your son. It's not love. It's hatred that withholds the rod. Love is why we do it. We love them too much to so just hand them over to the sin without any consequences because we know that will be far worse than discipline. We have to do, you know, God has told us to do something to stem the tide of sin in their hearts and to reach their hearts. We're doing this because of love. Second, some might say, I think it'll make my kids worse. Again, I understand the sentiment, but I would say, not if you do it right. If you find your child is growing worse, that's not a function of the rod by itself. Rather, that's a function of parents exasperating their children. And probably next week in our next lesson, we're going to cover the main prohibition to parents. Remember, there's three tasks, three instructions to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Those are the two positive tasks. But the negative, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke them to anger. If you always, for example, spank in anger or spank for selfish reasons or spank for inconsistent reasons, then yeah, your your discipline probably will amplify their rebellion and hardness. They're going to resent your efforts. But that Again, that's more on you than them. When it's done right, like Proverbs twenty nine seventeen says, discipline brings peace and delight to their soul. A third excuse, some might say, but, but it will hurt them. It'll hurt them. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, it will sting them. But uh, we have to say biblical discipline, when done right, will not actually hurt or injure your child. You should never do anything to injure your child. The point is simply to associate a sting with sin, not to injure them. Like Proverbs 23, 13 says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. But you may rescue his soul from Sheol. Now, if you're injuring them, you, you're doing something wrong. That That's on you. But this discipline is for their good, to rescue them, to rescue their souls, to, to show them sin has a sting, very tiny, inconsequential sting compared to eternity. But we're using the small scale to show them, warn them from the eternal scale. You have to remember, again, according to God's wisdom in Scripture and Proverbs, children are born fools. They have no sense, no understanding no concept of consequences that they'll stick a fork into an outlet they'll run into the street so we have to protect them physically and spiritually from the way of the fool and God has given us a tool to do this it's called the rod proverbs 22:15 says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline will remove it far from him and so we will use the rod to we might say push Foolishness out of their hearts while at the same time using the word to to pull wisdom into their hearts that they might grow and know the Lord. You just need to realize that if you choose not to discipline your children according to God's ways, you are choosing folly over wisdom. You're saying you know better than God, and well, Proverbs warns you the outcome of such a choice. And just at least be warned. Now, this whole as we, we keep going here and try and get practical into what it looks like to actually discipline a real child uh, using the rod using a type of corporal punishment. It can open for many like a big can of worms or at least can of questions we're just trying to do a crash course here, but I think maybe the best way to further help you and instruct you is almost like a, a mock q and a format because so many people have questions on discipline like how do you do it? what does it look like? what do you not do so let's Let's carry on here. We're going to keep going, but I'm going to propose a series of questions and answer them for you just to help you continue to think through the the practical implementation of biblical discipline. So hopefully I'll catch a lot of your questions already. If not, come ask me later. But this will help us get a little more practical as well. So let's just transition now. You might say like a a spanking Q&A. So uh, pretend question number one, is spanking child abuse? Is spanking child abuse? The answer is no. Spanking has been villainized by our society. And look, some of it's warranted because a a lot of abuse has gone under the guise of spanking. There's some wicked people, even some claiming to be Christians who have turned spanking into a form of child abuse. That's why most people by default in our world associate spanking with, with beating, whipping, slapping, hurting, hitting your child, that's all wrong. The biblical use of the rod is none of those things. But that's how our culture sees it. I don't entirely blame our culture for turning against spanking. I just know they have a caricature or wrong view in their mind. I'm against child abuse too. But this is not a throw the baby out with the bathwater situation. Spanking is still perfectly acceptable, legal, and wise means to train your child that sin comes with a sting. It comes with negative consequences. And when it's done right, as we'll talk about, the the notion of the caricature of child abuse just has no merit. You, You cannot look at biblical discipline done right in practice and call that child abuse. That is, it's a loving means of correction and training. And you can say to a degree, the proof is in the pudding. Like Hebrews 12 says, those trained by discipline eventually yield this peaceful fruit of righteousness. And I think you could talk to countless faithful Christian parents who can bear witness to that fact that by God's grace, they have implemented biblical discipline and their kids can, you can see in their kids that peaceful fruit of righteousness. And I think you compare that to the parenting of the world and the fruit of that, the next generation of children coming up in the world. Parents in the world have pretty much painting with a broad brushstroke, but they've rejected all forms of discipline, spanking and otherwise. And aren't we starting to see the fruit of that in the latest generation, the millennial generation, which I think we all probably agree, some of the most selfish, self-willed, unruly generations. And so, I don't know about you, when I look at the fruit of parenting in the culture, it just convinces me more that I should be doing the exact opposite of whatever they're doing, and I'll probably be okay. But you see a real fruit of peace and righteousness in those who have done discipline God's ways. It does a work and is for the good of the child. Question two, when should you spank? When should you spank? Discipline is reserved for clear instances of disobedience or rebellion. Again, the purpose is to associate a sting with sin or disobedience. In this regard, you want to be consistent that whenever they disobey, they receive a discipline. Aim to let little to no time elapse between their rebellion and the discipline. This, uh, as a side note, is not an an area for laziness. Inconsistency in spanking is one of the biggest problems for parents as to why it's so ineffective. Again, it's mostly on the parents, not the children, that they're just not being consistent and diligent, persistent. And if you're inconsistent, children will learn how to maneuver around your weaknesses. But instead, if they learn that every single time they disobey, they will be disciplined, they'll pretty quickly learn it. It's just better to obey. And this is, after all, what we're trying to teach them through spanking, that a sin is bad. It comes with suffering and consequences. Here in the small scale, but as they get older, in the big eternal scale, that obedience brings blessing we want them to, to see that. So don't even tolerate small acts of disobedience, especially when they're very young and you're training them in obedience. Yeah, the time will come where you will learn and discern when to show grace, when to overlook. No parent ultimately disciplines their child for every single sin, obviously, but the, the greater consistency you have with clear sin, clear rebellion, the better. If you let them find the boundaries of rebellion, that's where they'll live. If they find how far to push you where they get away with things, that's what they'll do. Little weeds quickly turn into big weeds and become much harder to pull out. But if you are diligent, especially when they're very young and, and give them very little wiggle room to to thrive in rebellion, you will see fruit pretty quickly. Practically, I can say from our experience that one and a half to three or four-year-old range is like prime time where you're disciplining constantly, not overdoing it, but just diligent, consistent discipline, uh, training them in obedience. When should you spank? For clear instances of disobedience, sin, rebellion, disobedience. I'll add one more thing, though. You should also spank for dishonor, for dishonor. Let me explain that. But this refers to the attitude behind their obedience. But to God, that matters just as much, right? I mean, didn't God direct children to render to their parents two things, obedience and honor? As back in Ephesians six, right? Children, or also the commandments. You know, honor and obey your parents. Honor refers to the heart attitude behind their behavior. Is it possible for your children to technically obey you by the letter, but their spirit, their heart remains as rebellious as ever? Yeah. That's possible. That must be addressed. That's actually worse than if they didn't even obey. And to render obedience without the heart is just hypocrisy. If you don't ever address their attitude, they might eventually be coerced into outward obedience, but you're just raising a Pharisee. You're raising a hypocrite. That's even worse because then they think they're good and healthy when they're still sick. That's worse. Just as it displeases God, When we obey him, we go through the motions, but we are harboring a heart of rebellion. Same thing with our kids. It renders before God, it renders our obedience null and void. And so it goes with our children when they obey us, but they dishonor us with their attitude. That will merit discipline as well. And probably more so actually, spending more time on the attitudes than just the actions. How is such dishonor expressed? usually through their attitude, bitterness, anger, grumbling, complaining against your directions. It could be reflected in their countenance, a scowl on their face or whatever. It could be reflected in outbursts of anger, a little temper flare-up. It could be reflected in de- delayed obedience, just making excuses. That's likewise dishonor. But as parents, you have to pick up on this. If you find that a sinful attitude is behind your child's disobedience, or even their obedience. You should be disciplining them for that just as much, if not more, than just plain old disobedience. I mean, aren't we, after all, more concerned with their hearts and their desires than merely their outward actions? Because we know if you capture the heart, if you can shepherd, train, and if the Lord wills renew their hearts, their behavior will follow naturally. We know the heart is the wellspring of our behavior. That's the real battleground. we we'll be spending a lot of our discipline time with their attitudes. We're trying to reach their hearts. We're trying to help them see and turn from their sin externally and internally. But this is why you must discipline your children for disobedience and dishonor. They're called to honor and obey their parents. And so when they dishonor or disobey you, you respond with discipline. That is when to spank. As parents, this is the type of standard you can set for yourself, for your children. You might say a little rule of thumb as what God expects of us, what we should expect of our kids. You can phrase it a couple ways. We've learned a few. What do we expect of our kids? That they honor and obey us first time, every time with a happy heart. First time, every time with a happy heart. Otherwise put, you know, right away, all the way in a happy way. Many clever ways to say this, but... You're just communicating what you're expecting of them, that when you tell them what they need to do in a clear, understandable way, you are expecting them to obey you right away, all the way, and in a happy way, with a happy heart. And if they don't, if they fall short in any of those categories, you will discipline them to shepherd them. This means we don't accept disobedience, delayed obedience, partial obedience, or dishonorable obedience. These these transgressions will be met with discipline just to correct and to train them. Yeah, there will be plenty of times we overlook small offenses. There will be plenty of times we learn to show grace. They merit discipline. We might show grace as a part of a bigger shepherding moment. But overall, especially when your kids are young, if you set that high bar, you will be very effective at training them in obedience and at least yielding peace in their hearts. Nothing tills the soil of their heart, producing this peaceful field ready for the seed of the gospel like that obedience. I mean, I just ask, aren't you tired of like counting to three? Aren't you tired of of having to tell your kids to do the same thing 20 times? Aren't you tired of having to just manipulate them to do what you want them to do? And even then, they have a terrible attitude? Beyond that, just being. Exhausting, that's dishonoring to God. It's bad for your witness. And it's also just hardening the hearts of your kids. That, that that's unchecked sin, that's not being met and stemmed with discipline, is just further hardening their hearts against the things of the Lord and you. And so it's time for you to meet disobedience and dishonor with discipline. Question three, when should you not spank? When should you not spank? Just to you know, go in the other direction, obviously. Uh, for one, if you're uncertain, if they have actually disobeyed or dishonored, then don't spank them. If you're not sure, give them the benefit of the doubt. Tie goes to the runners. Don't do it. If you're not sure that a real uh, sin issue has is taken place, obviously don't spank. Also, we point out we don't spank for childishness. That kid's... Our kids, they they do foolish things just because they don't know better. They lack sense, especially at first. And so we will meet childishness with instruction, but not discipline. So for example, every parent has had a child color on the walls at some point. It's just a rite of passage. You almost have to laugh at it when it happens. I mean, here's this big blank wall. Why wouldn't you color it? What what would lead you to not color it? I have to say that one of my biggest fears is a toddler running around with an uncapped sharpie it's like a a, like a like they're holding a hand grenade to me it's like what are they going to do this is very dangerous but we don't discipline for this we instruct them we help them there's a caveat here if the child is old enough to understand and you've given them repeated instruction where they know better but then they're still coloring on the walls well, now it's, now it's disobedience. Now it's rebellion. You've told them, okay, it's happened a few times. They clearly understand not to color on the walls. Uh, now it's disobedience. It's rebellion. That's something you would discipline for. You have to be careful. You have to be discerning. We'll add one more thing here for, for toddlers. You also should not spank if too much time has elapsed between uh, the transgression and the discipline. Because they just don't have the memory to connect the discipline to their sin. And so it's, it's futile. It's not accomplishing the purpose, remember, which is corrective. It has no more purpose. We're not just trying to punish them, so then don't spank. If they had a, a huge selfish outburst at the market and you want to discipline them two hours later, uh, they're not really going to understand why they're being disciplined. You're just going to risk exasperating them better to just let it go and move on. A related question here, just kind of a sub-question, uh, should you spank if you're not at home? Should you spank if you're not at home? We'll see shortly and briefly that spanking should always be done in private, always. It would be foolish to spank in public. It would just invite unnecessary trouble from our wicked world. I think we know prudence there. So if your children merit discipline while you're out in public, you really got three options, overlook the offense, drop everything, and go to the car, or wait till you get home. Right, that's pretty much it. And you'll need to carefully discern what you think is best in the moment. Sometimes you have older kids, you can wait until they get home. And whether that correction will take the form of a spank or an admonishment or a talk, you can discern that. But older kids can wait until you get home or out of public. Other times, especially if you have little ones in the throes of obedience training, You might decide you need to to go to the car and do this right now and let them know and and discipline them. And I applaud moms who have the determination to leave the shopping cart in the market, march to the car, and discipline their children because there's that pressing of a need. That is hard, it is inconvenient, and it's embarrassing. But those moms are proving they're playing the long game, not the short game. They're willing for a little short-term suffering for long-term peace. And I praise God for them. You don't want to be dealing with this when your kids are eight. Want to take care of it when they're young. And praise God for those moms. At the same time, though, sometimes it's okay just to overlook their offense when you're out in public. right? One helpful way of thinking about when you're out in public, that's helpful for me, is that when you're out in the world, it's a time of testing. Not that it's really either or, but we do the bulk of our training at home. When we go out into the real world, it's, it's kind of now a time of testing. Let's see where they're at. Let's see how they respond. Let's see how quickly they obey when they're surrounded by distractions. Not to say we don't also test in the, or train in the real world. You get what I'm saying. But if you can kind of conceive of you're out in public and just kind of lower your, your, your anxiety level, and just, let's just see where they're at. And it'll, it'll expose to you where they're at. How obedient are they? How how are they? How selfish are they? And you can uh, double your efforts there when it comes to training. But there are times where you can overlook offenses when you're out in public. We'll leave that to your discernment. I guess uh, I'll give one more sub-question here. This is still under question three, when not to spank. But a related question I get a lot. uh, When are kids too young or too old to spank? When are kids too young or too old to spank? I would say if they're old enough to willfully disobey, they're old enough to be disciplined. To willfully disobey, that means they can understand an instruction and then choose to disobey that instruction. They're old enough to be disciplined. Now, at first, it's not going to look like an actual spank. You can start off with a toddler with a flick on the back of the hand is sufficient to associate a sting with their sin, with their disobedience. That's a perfect way To to obviously not harm them, but to show them already their little acts of disobedience come with a sting. They need to listen to mommy and daddy. On the other side, when are they too old? And the Bible doesn't say, and it's it's hard to say. That's going to be a case-by-case basis. Obviously, the rod was never meant to be permanent. Eventually, your children will will outgrow your authority anyway, as we learned a couple weeks ago. Still though, as they get older, they're still under your authority in the home. They still need correction. The command didn't change to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They still need that training by discipline. But it can take other forms as they get older. You'll have to discern when spaking is no longer an effectual form of that correction. We'll save that though for later. At a later lesson, we'll, we'll devote a whole section to parenting teens and older kids. We'll talk about what discipline can look like uh, for them. Couple more here, just to finish up. Question four: uh, Where should you spank? And again, we kind of already said it, but in private, not in public, but in private. You can even apply Matthew eighteen fifteen. You see your brother in sin, go and show him his fault in private. Any type of reproof or correction, in general, uh, we something we would do in private. There's no need to humiliate your child. And at the same time, we we just can't expect people in our society today, even if we have a pure heart and are doing it biblically. And, uh, and even out of love, we can't expect them to ever see discipline and uh, not take it the wrong way, just how far our culture has gone away from the way of the world. So prudence would also dictate we're not going to do this in public uh, either way. Uh, question five, how should you spank? Was it actually, like, how do you actually do it? How do you, how do you spank? We'll say again, the goal is to associate sting or, yeah, sting with sin, and disobedience, but not to injure them. Whatever you do should never leave a bruise, a welt, lasting mark, anything like that. You're just getting their attention. Yes, it is okay for them to cry when you spank them. But I found, and I I trust you'll find that they they really cry more from the relational aspect of the spanking, that falling under their parents' displeasure rather than the pain. In all, we have got a firm stroke on the bare bottom where there's natural padding anyway, is a perfectly sufficient to administer a sting to a child, just a good old spank. We have personally found that using your hand is a pretty natural instrument to administer such a sting. It kind of hurts you back a little bit, and I think that tactile response keeps you from overdoing it. But I know many other Christian parents who do use a, a type of actual you know, rod, a little paddle, to administer a spank. I'll leave that to you. Either way, though, any form of a spank must be controlled. It's not an occasion to vent your anger or your frustration on your child. It must never be done in anger or rage. If so, in that moment, you're disqualified from spanking your child. Take the log out of your own eye. You, just, you need to go cool off, repent of your anger, and, and come back later. In that case, just overlook their sin and, and do not discipline them You need to show them grace because you're being disobedient to God too in your anger. You have to remember this discipline is also not about retribution or getting them back. Remember the spirit. This is correction. This isn't a show of love. You should be, your whole countenance should reflect that, that you are calm and in control. You're speaking softly and kindly to them, but also firmly about their sin. Your tone of voice should be controlled. Your anger should be controlled your spanking should be controlled. If you want a little almost, you know, basic play-by-play, and a lot of young parents ask for that, like just like, what do you actually do? Like a play-by-play, how do you administer a spank? Well, I'll give you a quick one. If they have dishonored or disobeyed in a clear manner, you'd first take them alone to a private place, not in front of others, not to humiliate. You would then show him his fault, you would make plain his sin, his disobedience. Convict him of their, his sinful deeds and, or attitudes. You would want to help him confess his sin, really to get him to acknowledge his wrongdoing, to help spend a little time, have a little conversation. Do you know what you did? Do you understand why that was wrong? Draw out from them an acknowledgement of the wrongdoing. They still have a pretty clean conscience early on. Appeal to their conscience. They will they understand they've done wrong and thus they're already somehow extremely hardened, but seek to appeal to their conscience. At times, you would then remind them of the purpose of spanking, like, you know why I'm doing this. This is God's prescription for me to help you, to show you that sin and disobedience is not good. It leads to greater suffering, but obedience brings blessing. Then tell them how many spanks you're going to give them to show them you're in control, that this is not an outburst of rage. Give a quick check on your own attitudes to make sure you're in control all around. Administer the spanks. Thereafter, you console them. You, you hug it out and you reassure them of their love, but you will have another conversation. There's a conversation before. There's a conversation after. There's, there's never a spank without communication. And that's, just, that's, that's punitive, not corrective. There's going to be a conversation after. Again, telling them again, do you know why you got a spank? Seeing if they can repeat it. Uh, thereafter you might lead them to ask forgiveness from any offended parties if their transgression involved harming someone else or you you'll lead them to seek forgiveness from the person they've done wrong and then finally you you can remind them of the gospel and really taking advantage of special opportunities that arise to connect their sin for the need for a savior that that doesn't happen always but you will look for and, and discern those key moments where, well, this is, this is like T-ball as a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with them. That should happen often, but not always. One last question here before our time is up. What makes spanking ineffective? What makes spanking ineffective? A lot, I've heard a lot of parents say, but it just doesn't work. So why should I do it? Well, it does work. If it's not working, most times I think the parent is doing something wrong. Four things can go wrong. And First, a lack of consistency. And I think this is the biggest deal, top of the list. Your kids will learn to manipulate you. They'll find your weak spots, like when you're on the phone or when you're tired. And if you only ever discipline them few and far between, it just won't get through to them. You're not training them. You really have to, to rise up to the task, especially when they're very young, to just discipline consistently. You may have a little one and it might be 20 times a day. But I'm telling you, invest heavily in discipline in the short term and you will reap that peaceful fruit of righteousness even in the middle term, before the long term. It, it does work and it can work quickly. But if you are consistent, uh, they will respond. But if you're not, you're shooting yourself in the foot and it's, it's, it can be actually worse. Uh, secondly, a lack of persistence. And this really has a long-term in mind where you, you persist in it for the long haul. Discipline is long-term training. You know, I'm not talking a decade here, but don't give up on disciplining your children if they're not perfect after a week of spanking. And I've had some parents who resolve, okay, we need to start this. We need to really engage in biblical discipline. They try it for a week and their kids don't change. It's like, well, okay, got a lot more work to do. You know, try, in all honesty, about three years. I tell parents about expect three solid years, that kind of one to four range in our experience with our three kids. That one to four is that prime time. Expect to be consistent and persistent throughout that whole time. Maybe beyond, maybe less, but just expect early years. We'll talk about what to do if you're already beyond that. Your kids are already older. What do you do then? We'll come back to that in future lessons, but be persistent. A third, a lack of effectiveness, meaning, you know, it it does have to sting if they're laughing at you after you, you administer your spank, it's not really working. You know, and, and especially with a, a lot of moms, if you're spanking over clothes and over a diaper, like extra padding, like it's probably not going to work. Now, one thing I'll mention, if, if your kid is old enough to bathe himself, you don't want to introduce shame into spanking, so you can leave their, their pants on, so to speak, but you need to associate somehow a sting with their sin, and you, you'll have to use enough force and, and, and be careful but, but uh, forceful to administer a sting without injuring them. It's not hard to do. You just need to, to do that. It has to be effective. And then lastly, you might say a lack of righteousness. If your spanking, is always an anger or rage. Your child will be exasperated and they will shut off their heart to, to loving, corrective, and the redemptive nature of biblical discipline. And if you get to that point, yes, then your efforts to, to spank them might actually be counterproductive and harden their hearts. They will become embittered and it will work against you. They need to be convinced of your love for them always. And if you're spanking in rage, that they're not convinced of that. They think you're, you hate them you have to, this always has to be done in love, believe it or not. It seems counterintuitive to the world because it seems like such a mean, hateful thing, but it's not. This is how God loves us, his children, how we love our children. This is how actually we soften their hearts. Discipline is how we soften their hearts. That's a good place to end. As a final thought, just want you to think of the power of proper discipline In softening and preparing the hearts of your children. The power of proper discipline in softening and preparing the hearts of your children. We can't save our kids, but we can soften and prepare their hearts. Something we alluded to a few weeks ago. Again, don't underestimate the hardening power of sin. Our children come to us fresh, but they have depraved hearts. They're not as bad as they could be, but they are inclined to evil and self-will. And left totally unchecked, that heart of selfishness and rebellion will grow and grow. That's why God calls parents to, to step in, to do something about this. Stem that tide before it gets really bad. You Picture a bare field. But it's been neglected. So, so cycles of rain and sun have just baked and hardened that soil. Compacted and hardened that soil. Meanwhile, there's little weeds. They eventually turn into big weeds. You can't even pull them out if you try. They're huge weeds. There's boulders in the field. That field is completely inhospitable to new seed. If you want to try and farm that field, you will have a very hard time. You'll have a ton of work to do to prepare that field. That's like the heart of a child whose parents did not discipline. You're not helping them deal with their sin. And you can instruct them all you want. You can share the gospel all you want, but perhaps... That's why it's not getting through. They're already hardened and unreceptive to your words because sin and selfishness rule their hearts. And they're not even thinking straight because of that. Instead, though, picture a field that has been constantly tended to. You're you're always fighting the soil. You're, You're tilling the soil over and over, constantly turning it over, just keeping it freshly tilled at the same time you're constantly weeding you wish they would go away they keep coming back but you're constantly weeding you're keeping them down you're pulling them from the roots that you really try and get all of them you're clearing away boulders you're doing all you can that field is just just waiting for seed just throw a few seeds there add some water and it'll probably work and that's like the heart of a child whose parents are actively disciplining they're helping them deal with their sin biblically that by itself does not save them we know But it does prepare their hearts to receive the word implanted. And and that's our job. And so I tell you, persistent and consistent biblical discipline, it it does work, so to speak, in doing what God says it does. It does yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness, peace in their hearts, a settled disposition. And it totally enhances your gospel witness to your kids, which goes back to our, our top goal for them, to see them know the Lord. It's where when you have this fruit of righteousness, they want to hear from you. They want to listen to you because they love you. They respect you. They trust you. They're not ruled by their sin. It's not in our power to save our children, but, but this here, discipline instruction is the good work God has given us to do. And so I hope tonight you've been instructed and even encouraged to just excel still more. You have to continue to give yourself over to this task of discipline. It changes shape over the years. We'll talk more about what it looks like with older kids, but we have to be disciplined or diligent ourselves in discipline and instruction and rescuing them from their sin and preparing their hearts to receive Christ the best we can. That's the good work the Lord has given us to do. So let us continue to excel still more. Let's finish in a word of prayer. Our Lord God, we we ask indeed for your grace and your power working in us through your spirit to to do what we've learned tonight. For all of us here who are parents or one day might be parents to to apply ourselves to this task, this task of discipline. It is a difficult thing. It is an exhausting thing, but... We know this is love we, we know that, Lord, because this is what you do to us. you are a perfect heavenly Father. You only do that which is good for us and to to bring us into holier living and closer to you that 's our goal for our kids because we love them so much we don 't want to see them just handed over to sin and depravity, and although we can 't save them, you can or you, rather you have called us to to do all that we can to to slow the spread have sin in their hearts, to prepare them to receive the gospel, to just teach them to respond to authority and obedience. And this is uh, the way. This is your way, and it does indeed lead to a peaceful fruit of righteousness. So just be with us, empower us, encourage all the parents here that they can do this. By your grace, they can do this, that you've given them what they need to, uh, to, to grow and to excel in their parenting. So inspire them, bless their children with that fruit of obedience and uh, and gospel salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.